0: Enjoy! Hello, this is Heidi Morrison. I'm an Associate Professor at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse in the History Department. And I'm recording with Professor Nancy Gallagher in Newberry Park, California, on June the 4th, 2018. Professor Gallagher is a Professor Emerita from the University of California, Santa Barbara, and we are here today to discuss my book, Childhood and Colonial Modernity in Egypt, published uh, with Palgrave in two thousand fifteen. And um, Professor Gallagher will get us started off. So, tell us about the intellectual journey or inspiration that led you to write this book. Uh, the inspiration to write this book um, began years ago when I was actually a high school student, and I traveled to Egypt for a summer with a lady named Anne Kerr whose husband had been killed in the Lebanese Civil War. He was the president of the American University of Beirut, and he had been killed as a symbol of of America, Um, yet she wanted to turn the experience into something that was constructive, that improved US-Arab relations. So I traveled with her uh, and a group of other high school students to Egypt in the summer, and we toured the country, and my interest in the Middle East began. And when I went to uh, undergraduate, I majored in French, Um, but was interested and always drawn towards North African uh, history and culture and literature and decided that I wanted to pursue graduate work in uh, Something that allowed me to study the area in something other than French So I wanted to do Middle East studies, which seemed a little bit less colonial in approach So I went on and did a master's in Middle East studies and then started a PhD in history at the University of California Santa Barbara and when I was at Santa Barbara, I was drawn towards Um, studying groups in the past that were vulnerable and issues of human rights and who could be more vulnerable actors in history or in any period of time than children. So I began to look at what children's experiences are and have been in the history of the modern Middle East and that's what drew me to write this book on the history of childhood in um, 20th century Egypt. That's fascinating. Can you tell us something about your main argument and the contribution it makes? Um, this book comes in the larger context of a general growth in studying the history of childhood over the last few um, decades. And that growth has related to a lot of different changes in society, um, changes about power and attitudes about power and vulnerable groups. Um, So the history of childhood has actually sprung forth from changing attitudes in society about childhood, um, stemming from such issues as um, postmodernism that started viewing social phenomena as um, socially constructed. Uh, Issues like race and class and gender are social constructs. And people then started asking, what about childhood? Well, that must be socially constructed, too. It's not just a biological you know, marker of maturity. It's something that we attribute meaning to. So generally, the society has become more interested in childhood. And this can be seen um, furthermore in, the, uh, in this Convention on the Rights of the Child in, um, that, that has evolved in the last few decades. Um, which has placed the child at the center of the world, the center of the human experience. Um, and so from this, we've come to value more and more children, and the history of childhood has been an outgrowth of this um, in, in larger society. And um, the history of childhood in Western societies has blossomed as a field, um, but the field in the region of the Middle East is still in its emf- infancy, uh, so to speak. So the purpose of my book uh, is twofold. One, I wanted to add a historical narrative uh, from a non-Western region uh, to this field of study, the history of childhood. And two, uh, I wanted to um, use children in childhood to provide insights into the history of Egypt and the Middle East, um, because children, like, as in any region of the world, are actors in which we can view um, the, the past. So in order to do all this, I um, looked at 19th and 20th century Egyptian experiences and representations of childhood by using uh, um, children's literature, children's press, uh, as well as uh, autobiographies of childhood and writings by intellectuals in Egypt that hadn't been looked at through the lens of childhood. So um, from this, uh, I... I started coming up with a narrative on the history of childhood in Egypt. And uh, what I've come to find, what I found was that what we see in the case of Egypt is that um, the narrative of of childhood that evolved in the West, um, the the sort of the typical narrative or typical um, accepted narrative is that that has been exported around the world in the 20th century and has been adopted that idea of the child as innocent in need of protection from the adult world. Of being in, in age graded schools, of being isolated from the adult world, not working—that that model developed in Europe and then was exported throughout and adopted by the rest of the world. And indeed, what we see in Egypt um, at the at the turn of the last cent- uh, turn of the 20th century, uh, was that yes, uh, Egyptian reformers, nationalists, and intellectuals they did encounter ideas about childhood um, during their travels to Europe and studies in Europe, and they were attracted by these ideas um, that were. Um, um, that were developing in in Europe. Um, But what I argue in my book is that the model of childhood that developed in Egypt in the early 20th century resembled parts of the Western model, but maintained its own unique um, qualities as well. So the origins of the Western model of childhood are largely found in the Enlightenment, Romanticism, and Industrialization. But when we look at Egypt, the justifications and motivations for reforming childhood um, to change to change um, the country and the nation, were in large part from resistance to imperialism and colonialism. And this translated to Islamic heritage playing a large role in shaping the ideas about childhood. So what we find in early 20th century is that Egyptian intellectuals were heavily influenced by um, the Salafi movement, which started in the mid 19th century and held that Egyptian identity derives from uh, its Islamic past and that Western liberal ideas can be found in um, Islamic heritage. So, for example, we find uh, the, the, the idea of the Boy Scouts entering Egypt in the early 20th century, but presenting the Boy Scouts as an institution that's, uh, in, that's you know, imbued with the spirit of Islam and whose prophet is actually, or who the ultimate scout is actually the Prophet Muhammad. So um, and also because reforms were discussed in terms of an authentic Egyptian heritage, there was also a lot of discussion of uh, development and shaping of childhood in the context of uh, what's called adeb literature, which dates to the medieval period in the Middle East. And it's a large body of literary sources, including medical writings, legal uh, writings, It's a whole corpus of instructions on how to raise a child that uh, has to deal with hygiene, has to do with comportment, manners, morals, and uh, Egyptian intellectuals integrated that into what they said should be a child, um, the modern idea of what a child should be. And so this whole changing changing the childhood and reforming childhood uh, that was happening in Egypt um, was happening on their own terms. Is what, is what I argue in my book. It wasn't happening from a direct um, import, importation from the West. And if you look around at uh, the other parts of the Middle East, we see um, uh, some similar um, processes unfolding. Um, there needs to be further research in this, but there's been some work, for example, in the Ottoman Empire um, that shows that uh, educational systems were mixed with both uh, Islamic and Western um, contexts and um, but there needs to be more 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 work on this uh in other parts of the middle east so um so if we get to the second purpose of the book which was not just you know the first one was just to to add a, a, another narrative another voice to the development of the history of childhood in other, another part of the world the second argument if we get to what that argue, what that narrative tells us about egyptian history um well we find that um children were integral to the making of modern Egypt. And there's been you know, a lot of work writing about that making the modern country of Egypt is not just simply about you know, throwing off the occupiers and suddenly the country wakes up and it's called Egypt and here it exists. But there's been scholars that have shown that various segments of the population have been targeted in making the modern Egypt. Um, peasants to build the army, mothers to be future citizens, Um, middle-class men to to embody national honor. The poor have been targeted. Well, what I show is that children too, on rethinking categories of age, uh, was an integral part of building um, modern Egypt. Um, And these nationalists and reformers that targeted children were trying to do so, uh, targeting age, in order to strengthen the nation so they could fuel a movement that would then allow it to obtain uh, independence from the British. Um, so children were, uh, I argue, at the heart of the um, making modern Egypt. And um, and it, it, it were, there was like a synergistic relationship though with with also changing notions of class and gender in these changing notions of childhood, it wasn't just creating the new Egyptian nation that was changing child, but also there were notions of changing notions of of, of class and gender that were playing a role that I talk about in in a couple of chapters in my book. Um, and when we add children into this into the picture, we start to see that making modern Egypt um, not only were children integral to it. But the process was not a smooth process. Um, what children can reveal to us, what their insights and what their experiences reveal to us is that uh it's it's um, it was a very um emotionally complex um, process to to become a modern nation um, and for example, children often um, you can hear about we read autobiographies or accounts of children uh, evading system of evading like uh immunization um new systems of control that were coming in from the state that we're trying to take over or take the place of of responsibility to the children that were normally um left to the village or to the parents the state starts coming in with like immunization or health inspectors and there's uh, accounts of children you know trembling with fear and running away and trying to escape these health inspectors or children feeling humiliated um not trying to grapple with understanding their new expectations of what's expected to them of them in schools so uh when we write children into the historical narrative we see that they were front and center in how the uh, modern egypt was born and also that they um show that it was a very uh, emotionally complex and dynamic um process so um that's basically what the argument is, and then I, I try to make some. I try to make some connections with um, the situation today, um, because historians are often motivated to write about the past or as a result of current problems going on, and certainly in Egypt right now, um, there is um, a large, large. I think it's forty percent of the population is um, is could be considered ch- um, children. Um, and um, so children's rights issues are are important in Egypt right now and one thing that my um, book reveals is that um, the emergence of this modern idea of childhood which shapes the whole children's rights framework we have that developed with the CRC in the 80s until now that it developed in Egypt in a very hierarchical context um, because all these changes I've talked about uh, of introducing school, of of separating children from the adult world, taking them out of the cotton fields, all of these changes happened in, um, for for at the beginning of the century, in um for the elite, uh for the literate class, so it emerged in the first half of the twentieth century, and it set in place a pattern of inequality, um that continues to shape children's rights culture until Egypt into Egypt until today. There were significant changes in. Advances made in the 50s, um, which I think more research is needed onto, but still the the very root of the modern um, framework for children and children's rights um, developed for a, in a very hierarchical framework um, and Another issue that my book um, sort of speaks to about today is that um, there's a lot of talk about the youth youth in Egypt and the arab Spring and um, some people look at the, for example, the 2011 Egyptian ever revolution as something that was just spontaneous. It came out of the blue. Suddenly there were these young people that wanted to create a better future. Um, but what we see like with historical research such as mine is that, uh, yes, while protests can appear fiery and fierce, political activism is in, in reality very pragmatic and slow and that changing the children... Um, through changing a new generation, changing the country actually began. There were previous, many previous revolutions to the 2011 one, and children we see were at the center of nationalist um, discourse um, in the early 20th century. And also, we see that um, you can't just reduce um, these political ideologies of revolutions to being anti-Western or anti-democracy. It's not that Egypt is against the West and they're revolting. Um, but what we see is that people, starting back from the early 20th century, people want a better future for their children. Um, but they just want it on their own terms. They want it in, 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 in their context um, in which they're, they're living and not just directly imported. What do you think remains unknown or what future research is needed? Uh, I think as I've hinted at there there needs to be more um, narratives on childhood in non-western regions and particularly on the Middle East mine was a first attempt and there's been a few um, people writing about childhood in the Ottoman context but we need more narratives of what children experienced in in the past uh, in other Middle Eastern contexts and we also need to look at um, within the Egyptian context mine only goes up to the 1950s. So we need to hear the rest of the story from the rest of the 20th century. And we need to also hear about other categories of age. I look at childhood, but there are other categories of age that that need to be considered by historians. What about changing notions towards the elderly? Um, What about changing notions towards middle aged? All these are categories that are worth evaluating um, in history. And um, for this future research um, i think that there is a lot of promise and a lot of hope and i just actually um, founded um, the association of middle east children and youth studies which is indicative of the um, growing growing um, nature of the field of children and youth studies in the middle east so i think that we are going to see a lot more more narratives coming out and this association has um, a couple hundred members on its listserv across the world and it has an active board and it has an um, uh, uh, active newsletter that it's forming with updates on current research. So there are, there, we're, there are scholars who are, are going to come forth and, and fill this void. What are you doing now? Uh, right now, I'm working on a few books. I'm working on, I'm the series editor for a six volume set with Bloomsbury on the cultural history of youth. And um, this looks at um, youth from a cultural history perspective in its broadest definition, uh, cultural practices. We look at multiple angles of youth from ideas about religion to ideas about power, to ideas about space and emotions. So that I'm doing, uh, I'm a series editor for that. And then um, my other work I'm doing is on Palestinian children um, in the more recent path. Past, and I have um, two books relating to Palestinian children. One, I'm editing uh, a volume with the University of Georgia Press with the Children and Youth in War series, and in that book, um, I'm drawing together. uh, I have we have a collection of essays on how children have experienced uh, Israeli settler colonialism in Palestine, and um, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict provides a lens to view the way indigenous children. Uh, experience and respond to violence caused by uh, settler colonialism. Um, so we look at in the volume issues of expulsion, settlements, periodic massacres, uh, what that all means for children in the 20th centuries. And the other part book I'm working on relating to Palestine is my own um, book, which is an oral his, histories of Palestinian children who grew up during the Second Intifada. And in that book, Um, I'm looking at the way that trauma lives in people's memories, and um, there are an increasing number of children around the world caught up in armed conflict, and it raises an important question for us today. What's the impact of this war-related childhood memories on on the children when they become adults? And um, through my oral histories, what I find is that um, as adults, Young Palestinian adults, they're not shaped only by that trauma that they lived in and continu- that they lived in growing up. They're con- they're shaped by many um, factors in their contemporary society that continue to to co- sometimes cause trauma or relive the trauma, such as the occupation or continued outbursts of um, violence, and they're also impacted by um, the past, the, the far past, and um, stories of trauma that have been passed on from their grandparents. Um, So what's interesting is that most of the violence in Palestine um, occurs in children's playgrounds, schools, and bedrooms, but we haven't really heard much from the children about how the memory of all that uh, is is living with them and what their narrations of it um, tell us about how they survive trauma. Um, And like I said, what we find is that most Palestinians have a remarkable process of growth from the trauma that they're impacted by, they're able to move on and 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 f- and integrate that trauma into their life narrative and move forward um um in, in their lives. But that doesn't mean that there's still not damaging uh, effects of the trauma. Can you tell us what you plan to do next? Uh after I finish those two books, um I hope to um either write or I hope to write uh, a history of childhood in the Middle East from the 1800s to present, just a general overview of of childhood and across the whole region. Um, I'm also interested in looking, uh, returning to some work I started on the Egyptian National Circus, uh, and um, probably using oral histories again there um, to, to um, understand what the circus in Egypt tells us about uh, modern Egyptian history. That's fascinating. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you.